Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's a new era for the 49ers. We have uh, moved on to Trey. With a roster full of talent. Debo Samuel with the catch. The pass is going to be picked off by Bosa. Nick Bosa. And it's almost time for kickoff. Welcome to the kickoff show with Larry Kruger and Lorenzo Neal on 95.7 The Game. Sponsored by Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey. Taste the world's number one bourbon. And by Harris Ranch Beef. Legendary beef, legendary quality. And away we go. Larry Kruger, Neal, right outside Levi Stadium at the Hilton as we get you ready for the kickoff show. Or with the kickoff show for the Niners and the Seahawks. It's week two in the National Football League. 49ers are 0-1. The Seahawks are 1-0. The rain could come today at Levi Stadium. We probably are not going to see George Kittle. Wow. Man, we got a couple of hours to chop it up and talk week two in the NFL and lead into this thing. Lo, good to see you, man. Larry, it's always good to see you looking pretty in the face and slim in the waist like always, always ready to excite the people. I'm telling you right now, you guys are in for a great show because I'm with Larry and before we get this thing kicked off, I got Katie and Eleanor, baby, from the Central Valley, Selma in the house in Hanford, my hometown representing here in Levi's, baby. There you go. And How do you give a shout out? The they, Central Valley, oh, baby. Give the shout out. We've got a great <laughs> setup here at the Hilton. Seriously, I mean, if you want to stop by people eating, drinking, a lot of food trucks in the parking oh, yeah. lot, and just a festive at atmosphere. There's nothing quite like the tailgate oh. on a game day in the NFL, man. No question. I'm wondering, you and I see these food trucks. I mean, you know, you're looking good like you down a couple LBs. You got friggin' ribs you had <laughs> two weeks ago. What Are we going to get something to eat, kick off this thing, make it feel more like we're a part of this tailgate? Because this is a big game today. I mean, I I'm excited, Larry. Seriously, bring us your food. Bring us, more importantly, bring us beers uh, as we get you ready for, for 49ers and Seahawks. The 49ers, slow, are 1-7 and seven against Seattle in the last four seasons. They got, I mean, Trey Lance aside, uh, must win aside, all these different, week one aside, that's got to change. That has got to change if the 49ers are going to commandeer the NFC uh, West in the years ahead. they got to start beating Seattle. No question. I think that looked at the last, what, decade was? Is it like Russell Wilson, like 16 and 4? 16 and 4. Oh my Russell God. It's Thank like, God he's not yeah, here. Thank God he's, he's not, next week, by the way. He's nice next week. You're going to still see Russ. But isn't that amazing? You're talking about 17 and 4 against this Niner. The Niners got to be looking at this and saying, hey, you know what? It's not about Seattle. It's about us. Today's got to come down to simple, man. The weather's great. The atmosphere's awesome. Like the little cloudy. It's Sunday. You know what? The smell. I miss this part of the game, Larry. I'm telling you, you go out, you're warming up, you get the nice, cool breeze. You're like, man, it's not too hot. Overcast is not going to be a sloppy game, but you just go out there. And last week, you have so much resolve, resolve to get better. Everyone's talking about you. They kind of kind of made you feel like 
little PO'd. And right now, as a player, ex-player, I'm on the Niners, I'm like, okay, let's go out here and write this shit. Too many negative. You, that whole week we had to hear this, the whole week we're done, already want to change quarterbacks. Oh, we're this. We're, this is as a player, Larry, this is where you do that gut check. This is where you say, forget everything else. Man, I got to go take care of my business today, bro. No, no question about it. Today's got to be a big effort for the 49ers. It is 11.05 in the morning. We're going to take you right to kickoff. Kickoff slated today for 1.05. So if you're hanging out in the parking lot, not a 125-er today. It's a 105, so get in your seats. Um, give me the uh, – paint the picture. What what are the players going through? You're a former NFL player, 16-year vet. For those who don't know, Lowe is as good a blocking fullback as this league has ever seen. What are players two hours before a game uh, typically doing? What did you do two hours before kickoff? Yeah, before kickoff, man, it's like, okay, cool. Drive over to the stadium if it's a home game. Understanding what's at stake. You gotta win. And you know, for the next three and a half, four hours, it's about you locking in, but it's about you just in your own moment. It's like, okay, make sure you get your uniform, go to the stadium, make sure your things, your pads are set, your pants are all taken care of, you got your shoes, your socks, so every, your locker's looking like a nice closet. It's clean for the first time. You know, all week you're throwing clothes on, but now it's getting ready to game. So that's lined up. Now you go throw on some shorts or whatever it is, sweats, and you get out there and you just warm up. You start feeling the feel, you get to go out there, you're jogging, moving around, and just wanting to get out there and just to be a part of the state and be a part of that feel like, okay, let me get my mind right, let me go out here and warm up, let me go out here and stretch, let me go through my routine. Headsets are on, whether it's we're listening to me, I go back a little Kurt Franklin, a little eyes, a little Rocky, <laughs> I mean, eyes on fire, strong desire. I mean, I had it all going. I had a, had a, you know, had a mixture of music, and you're just, you're in your own world game day. You're not thinking about it, you're like, I'm going out here, and I know the guy lined up to me has the same, he's thinking the same thing, that he's going to whip my butt, and I'm thinking, no, I'm going to whoop you today. And so your mindset, you have, you, you're, you're different. As an athlete, you're thinking about nothing. You're like, I'm focused on what I have to do. You, maybe you come back in, flip through your plays, because you, you still have you know, an hour or so left. Go over it. If there's something that was a little foggy, maybe you go over it, look at it again. You just want to, okay, they do this front. What am I going to do here? And you visually... These two hours before the game, you're visually, mentally going through that game plan and what you're going to do. And I tell you, man, it's a great – I, I just put you in a place, man, like no other. It's so euphoric because it's what you do. It's what you are paid to do. You're a grown man playing a kid's game, getting a king's ransom. Ow! I'm fired up. 17 work days on the year, and this is one of them, so they're all big in the NFL. All right, we got a lot to get to. Um, before we get into what we're going to see this week, let's take a look back at last week. 49ers lose 19-10 in Chicago. Give me your takeaway. Yeah, I, I think that the sky's not falling, but you have to feel like that. And it's, it's crazy because, like you said, it's only 17 weeks. You only had 17 games. But I'm telling you, in the interim of this, when you lose even the first week, you're like, God, it's just that that pit you have in your stomach and, and the mindset. So you go through last week and you watch that game and there's plays that you saw and I saw, Larry, and we said, man, you make this play. 1999 yards and penalties. You have to think about it. As a team, as a coaching staff, as an organization, you're saying, we had 99 yards, or near 100 yards in penalties that was on us. That's unacceptable. To their 28, 70 yards of field, field position lost. They hit him yards, I like to call them. 
So you, you've got to reflect on that. And then you reflect on those individual plays. Your, your, your assignment. What did I do wrong? What tackle did I miss? God, if we would have made this sack here, if we don't hit this. So you go through that week of going through that, playing that in your head because you've got to think about what you did wrong and what you did right so you don't want to make sure you don't repeat those things. So that's what the week was about. It was about let's make corrections. Yeah, we got to forget about it, but we have to learn from our mistakes and how do we push forward this week it's like okay next team up that's the Seattle Seahawks what are the things that we're going to do establish the game plan go through it do I know the game plan better than I knew it against Chicago for the same outcome is different for it won't have the same outcome you know the, it was such a weird game from the standpoint Niners ran 11 more plays uh, they were plus 127 in total yards the Niners yeah. totally dominated the game they the 49ers offensively held the ball for seven plus minutes a seven plus minute advantage and you know at one point they had a 10 nothing lead but they wind up having a couple busted plays 12 penalties too many missed tackles uh, Trey Lance had too many inaccurate passes and they wind up losing by nine points uh, in the second half. Now, one of the things I want to get to is this this overwhelming reaction to Trey Lance. Give me your thoughts on that because I'll tell you the one thing when I looked at it, um, I, I decided I wanted to look at you know the the play that was talked about universally uh, this week as Trey's bad play, and that play was the 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 pass play to Tyler Croft in right. the first half. Wide open. You talk to anybody and they'll say, ah. Oh, you know what? Trey missed that. It was wide open. Should have thrown a touchdown there. You know, they people use that as the example of his ina inaccuracy. If you go back to that play, you had Croft, who may have had a step and a half on two defenders, a little bit of a corner route. Trey overthrew him by about two to three yards. If you go back and roll that tape back, and I was looking at this last night, you go watch that play. First of all, you got a third string tight end who may have a step or two Bingo. on a on on two defenders and didn't know if he wanted to look over his right shoulder or left shoulder, so he kind of got caught in between. So he's not really running full bore. That's one. Two, you got the sideline to contend with. But then you go back to the quarterback. Travis Gibson was barreling down on Trey. He Trey saw him in his peripheral. And got it off anyway, but people have made that like it was just a layup. Trey Lance took a hit by Travis Gibson on his throwing arm or to the side, his right side of his body, immediately upon release. This was not nearly the layup that people will lead you to begin to believe. I'm just, my point is just this. We get so, everybody just starts making a point, and then all of a sudden it's just everybody, the rest of the media and the fans, everybody just repeats it. Well, he had that one to Croft, he shouldn't have blown that. Even you go look at that, go look at that pass play. You're talking about a third string tight end with one step in a fairly small window with Gibson with no blocker, barreling down, and you're seeing him in your peripheral. He still got it off. I mean, the fact that he, he got it as close as he did to me was an accomplishment. I just think it's odd that people use that play as, like, the license to be incredibly critical of Trey's accuracy. Yeah. When on that play, I think he pretty much did what he could do. It's amazing that you break it down like that, Larry, because I look at it in the same way, but I look at it in a different lens. For me, it's like everyone's talking about that play, but no one's talking about Debo, who's all-world, who just got paid to give me some 
couple hundred, a couple, I'll give you, what, it was a 90, 80 million, I'll give you reasons why you don't fumble the ball. And, but no one talks about that because he's a proven commodity. He's shown you the Debo. We know how tough he is. And this is not to pass blame anywhere. But here's a guy that you just gave the money to. Here's a guy that you know who's, is tough and physical and make things happen. What's a bigger fumble? What's a bigger? T- he missed that. I get it. But you had your, your, your workhorse, your guy that don't make, that he makes that touchdown or don't fumble the ball. It, that's a different, but, but no one really, it's all about Trey. Why? Because he's new and he's young and he's not established in the league. So everyone's going to, if Jimmy would have played and could Jimmy get out of certain things that you saw Trey was able to do? Does Cal Shanahan call on third and 10 or it's, you know that it's the slippery in the field? Does Cal Shanahan call a quarterback draw? Are you in that situation punting? We've seen Jimmy in tough situations like that. Did, could he escape at certain things that, that Trey wasn't able to do? So when you have quarterbacks that aren't proven in this league, Jimmy too, that's, that's proven, but that's everyone's kind of up and down on, that don't think he's necessarily the guy, he couldn't play bad and everyone said, when can we get Trey? Look at what you have. Now, Tom Brady has missed some passes. We just watching that. He fumbled a ball against the Saints. The center quarterback stinks. They're getting ready to go and score. Go for it on fourth. That happens. Aaron Rodgers last week got sacked, got hit, missed guys. What, do you, do you, Joe Burrow threw Joe, three picks last Joe week. Joe Burrow stupid. So, but no one's talking about those guys benching those guys. That's the thing, Larry. For me, it's not about the trade. It's about because everyone is already their perception, what they already want. They're they're demonizing this guy, and that's what that's why. It's just like, dude, you look around and look at all these quarterbacks that everyone talk are just great, and I can show you a play just like Trey that everyone from the Hall of Famer from arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play, Tom Brady, we know that. Show you his plays. I can show you Aaron Rodgers' play. You go up Joe Burrow's, like you said, three interceptions. But there's one guy that no one's even talking about. So now you're a quarterback. You're in the pocket. The field's wet. Guys are running. If you run a 4-8, you're probably running a 5-1 out there on that field. Wouldn't you not agree with the, the, the way the, the field The field was saturated Sat- before the anthem. Exactly. So now I got a guy tight end that runs 4-5, and now I got a tight end that runs 4-7. If Kittle's there, if that's the same ball, I'm betting right now, and I know you are, Larry, Kittle's making that catch. He's running underneath that. He's not going to take his body. He's, well, he, we're also talking about a guy in Croft who's what? His first year with the 49ers. Yes. This isn't a guy that Trey has reps with. Trey has probably very few practice reps with Croft. Right. The point is is that the every negative is just magnified yes. on this player. And now it's become this media three-ring circus. Now That's big, easy to talk about. That's the, easy. I mean, it's, it's low-hanging. Low we right. love the quarterback and the, and the head coach in the NFL. Uh, there was a report, Jason Locke and Fora, that people who know the thinking of Kyle Shanahan have indicated that if Trey and the 49ers don't win today against Seattle, that it will be Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback for week three against Denver. Now, Mike Garofolo, you might have heard J.D. Mentioned at the end of his hour there from the NFL Network has said that there's no credence to the report that Trey will be out as the starter if the 49ers lose today. To me, that would be incredible knee-jerk. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. But before we do, let's talk about the Niners offense. we got about 10 minutes more in this segment. What do you expect to see today from the Niners offense? There's not going to be a George Kittle. We're not going to see Daniel Brunskill. Uh, Jeff Wilson went for 2.4 a carry in the Wasn't second good. half. 
you know, are we going to see Ty Davis Price? Are we going to see Jordan Mason? They signed Marlon Mack to the practice squad. I don't think they're going to elevate him today. What do you expect to see from this 49er offense going against a Seattle defense that has switched from a 4-3 cover 3 look to now they go with Big Al Woods in the middle. They're a 3-4 with more split safety looks. How do the Niners attack this defense offensively? Well, I think that now this is going to come down to the guard and center situation. When you're going against a 3-4 compared to a 4-3, four down linemen, you got four down linemen, you got three, three, four hard down linemen, and against a 3-4, you have three down linemen. You have a center, two defensive ends, and you have four linebackers because you think that my athletic guys are my linebackers. That's why people go to 3-4. 3-4 guys can drop, they can come off the corners, and now you have three defensive, three defensive linemen. When you're playing against a 3-4, I'm telling you, center and guards are crucial because now the nose guard is there. He's the only D-line. And now if the guard and center, that's called when those two guys together, the tray block. Or they do. So now they're acing up. You have the guard in the center. If they can control the nose guard, now you got to realize, look at the hole. If they can... If they can control the, the center, now they ace block up. Ace means that they acing up to the Mike linebacker. So now you have the guard and center control the nose guard, and then play up to the linebacker. There are huge running opportunities against the 3-4. My preference as a fullback, I love playing against a 3-4 every day out of the week compared to a 4-3 because you have more space, because the when and the ends are on the tackle, you have your guards are usually uncovered, you got more creation, create, create more space so I could get through there, linemen can take bigger splits, and now you can go up to get the linebacker, and that's what I was paid to do. Give me a 3-4, so I expect this team, the 49ers, to run the ball, and run the ball with success, because now you got an all-pro all pro tackle, and we all-of-fame tackle, now he's one on one and now he can kick somebody's butt because he can take that tackle and erase him now you're going to have bigger lanes and especially if the center and guard can block down when they can run to the bubble look for the niners today larry to go with a lot of check checkmate we checkmate me when you have that check that means there's two plays you leave the break the huddle you got two plays wherever the guard bubble is you're running to that bubble side if not you look for him to get out of the play and maybe have a pass play so going to have some check with means at the line look for the young quarterback today Guaranteed, we'll have some checks. He's going to read the front, and you're going to see him run to the bubble. Danny Gray is probably going to be activated. Uh, he was not up in week one. <laughs> Denver did whatever they wanted on Monday Night Football against this young secondary. This secondary has Kobe Bryant, um, who won the Thorpe, he won the Thorpe Award last year at Cincinnati, and then Tariq Woolen. And Woolen, I would imagine, Woolen and Jackson are going to be matched up mostly with Ayuk. Ayuk was outside like 80% of the snaps last week. If we see that again, that means Ayuk on Woolen or Jackson. I think that's advantage 40. Niners. I think if there's one thing I'd love to see in this game, I'd love to see them go after, first of all, take some shots with Danny Gray down the field, loosen this team up. Denver showed the recipe last week. You can t you can make big plays on this uh, on this Seahawks defense. you got to take some shots down the field with Danny Gray, but I think you got to try to get the ball to Ayuk. He had three touches last week, and if you looked at what Cortland Sutton did and what Jerry Judy did to this, this secondary. I think Ayuk and Debo could. I know the skies could open. There could be some precipitation. We don't know how wet the field will be. I think there's 
you know, the one thing I love about Trey, he throws the deep ball really well, and I'd like to see them challenge Seattle down the field through the air today. Well, you like it, you love it, and you want some more of it. And I can tell you right now, sure as Monday come after Sunday, you know what I'm saying? And they're going to throw the ball, and they're going to throw some deep balls today. There will be opportunities for guys to make plays and make plays in the passing game. I would say right now, if you told me give me th uh, over four, I would say yes, the Niners will have more four chunk plays. That means 20 yards or more. Yes, they're going to throw the ball deep. They're going to let it go, and you're going to see some windows also again this 3-4. Yes, it's 3-4. It's a, you know, in the secondary you got to drop in. You can play more coverages because you got more guys dropping, but there are some huge windows and opportunities, and Trey should have a little bit more time because now you're only bringing three guys, so you get some double teams in the interior line. So now Trey can hold on to the ball, and he's going to have some opportunities to go downfield with the ball, and if not, if you can run the ball too, he's going to continue to play action, I think that you're going to see a big day out of this Niners offense because of the defense they're playing against, but also because now you can talk about the speed. We were disappointed last week saying, my God, you don't have the speed up This week, the elements are great. The weather's a little, the weather looks a little, that's not, it may rain, may not, but it should have no bearing. This is not Chicago and Soldier Field with the downpour. You're going to have opportunities to take some big shots and also have some huge windows where you're talking about with Debo and Ayuk. No question, it will be there today. Day, Larry, it will be there. The plays and the opportunities for big plays. Seattle gives you that. Who the Niners ran at 55% of the time in week one. Who do you think's their leading rusher today? Wow. Because I mean, I'll tell you the, the disappointing thing, Niners ran for 176. Only 63 of those yards came from the running backs. It was Debo and Lance. So who who's the leading rusher today? Debo. You think so? Again? I, I think Debo's a leading rusher. because I'd like to see TDP. I, I, would, I would love to see the running backs do what they need to do to run the ball, but I just think Debo's your big play guy in the running game. Now, if those guys can be amicable and you say, look, those guys are running back by committee, excluding Debo, if they can give you 100 yards, that's fine by committee. Because if they give you over 100 and then Trey gets you 25, that's already, you know, 130, 140 right there. Debo's going to get you 60, 70 yards. He's that type of a player, whether it's the jet sweep, whether it's a quick little bubble screen, get the ball to him, and get the ball to him early, because now you're going to change the defense. Defense got to play tighter on him when you're doing that. Now you're talking about that deep ball that you're looking to get, Larry. Now, because now you have the defense saying, we got to play tight, keep him in the phone book, and they're going to force Trey to beat him. And I'm going to tell you right now, Trey Lance will beat Seattle with his arm today. That's they're going to force him to do because they can't just sit back and just say, oh, God, they're going to have to say, look, we got to make him beat you. We cannot let this team be two-dimensional, run and pass. I think Trey's going to have to beat him with his arm today. It's going to be interesting because last week we saw the Bears, you know, rush three, rush four, drop seven, drop eight, make Trey be accurate. We're going to see if Trey can indeed be accurate uh, throwing the ball. And will they, will they blitz him? You know, will they blitz him and give him defined reads? Or will they, you know, drop those extra guys in the coverage and make him be accurate? I think they're going to try, try to drop guys into coverage and make Trey prove that he can be an accurate passer. Um, we got a lot to get to. We're going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit. We'll flip the card and talk a little bit about what to expect from the 49ers on the defensive side of the ball. I'll say this. There's no Bobby Wagner. There's no Jamal Adams, but they've got the defense of the NFC defensive uh, player of the week in week one, uh, Yushena Nwosu.
who came over from the Chargers, the former SC linebackers, that outside backer in this 3-4. And, man, if there's one guy for the 49ers that, you know, you put on the on the whiteboard, we got to get this guy blocked, it's Nwosu. Oh, Nwosu is a hell of a player. The guy can get after him, and that's why he's a 3-4. You let him be athletic. You let him turn into let his athletic ability emerge, and that's what you're going to do. You watch the Steelers in the heyday. They were the team that loved that 3-4, three, three, you know, three, three down linemen with the four linebackers, and they were one of the best. You had some guys that could get after Joey Porter, all the different dudes that they had. You know, number 92, James Harrison, all the players that the Steelers have had in that 3-4, they made the 3-4 what it is. I mean, hell, you remember the great days in, with the Chargers that we had. We had lights out. Sean Merriman, Sean Phillips, Stephen Foley. We had guys that could get after the quarterback and rush from the 3-4, but we had a guy in the middle by Big Jamal. So when you have Jamal that, Williams, Jamal remember Williams, well. absolutely. Who's the house? House. So now the Niners are in a situation where you know that they're going to come after you, but you got to make sure that you're aware of where he's at, keep the back end at chip at time and sometimes, but then you're going to have some opportunities with your tackle. And when he's on that left side, I don't care how good of he is, he's going to be have the great neutral, neutralizer is, is Williams. All right, keep it locked right here on 95.7 The Game. Pre-game, post-game, in the post-game today, Alan Stiles uh, and Evan Giddings will, uh, will take you after the football game. Niners looking for their first win of the year. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Jimmy Ward. We're going to hear from Michael Lombardi, who had some very critical comments of Trey Lance on his podcast this week. And we'll flip the card and talk about what we expect to see from the 49ers on the defensive side of the ball. Brian Peacock, from the host on Locked On Niners, joins us in hour two. J.D. will check in right around 1230. Kickoff slated for 105 today. The Niners on a rainy day, perfect football weather. Uh, no rain yet, but it looks like rain's in the uh, in the forecast. We may see more this afternoon. 49ers and Seahawks. Niners looking for that first win. And, of course, you've got the, the kickoff show with Lowe and myself on 95.7 The Game. Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Kick off 
Kickoff Show with Larry Kruger and Lorenzo Neal on 95.7 The Game. Sponsored by Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey. Taste the world's number one bourbon. And by Harris Ranch Beef. Legendary beef, legendary quality. Welcome back to the Kickoff Show. Larry Kruger and Lo Neal down here at the Hilton in Santa Clara getting you ready for Niner football. 49ers and the Seahawks at Levi Stadium. It's week two in the NFL. And, of course, uh, Lo Neal, 16-year NFL veteran, one of the best blocking fullbacks the league's ever seen. Um, let's get to Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward was really interesting. Caught up with Jimmy in the locker room this week. Jimmy, of course... I thought would be the perfect guy to talk to. Why? Because he's smart. He's candid. He's one of the leaders on the team. And you know the way it is. Yeah. It's like he didn't play last week. So in a way, he's got perspective that if he had played, you know what I mean? It's a little different deal. When a guy hasn't played, I know he's watched the film. I know he's a smart football player. Right. But it's not so personal. It's sure. not, hey, what? didn't you do it's like what didn't we do right so let's hear a little bit of jimmy ward i thought he's made a number of really interesting comments and then we'll comment on it uh on the tail end a little jimmy ward inside the niner locker room all right we're in the niner locker room with one of the veteran niners jimmy ward and jimmy uh, obviously a tough loss for the team in week one you weren't out there but and they missed you i'm sure uh give me your perspective on it because i'm sure you have one um you know we just we try to contain the quarterback uh the defense did a great job, but, uh, you know, eventually, you know, some, sometimes something happens and a you know, bus play here or there, and the guy, you know, he's he's getting paid too. He's he's a really a phenomenal talent, uh, and he ended up making a few plays, and I feel like uh, if we could have, you know, limit those, those big plays, and we could have came off with the win, but we didn't. The busted plays. I mean, the one to Pettis. What's? I mean, who? Is there a coverage blow up there? Was it Greenlaw read the line? The running back underneath. What was the bust on that play? Just a total breakdown, man. That's what happens, you know, kind of with these scrambling quarterbacks, man. When they can extend the play, and you know, the zone can only hold up for so long. Man coverage can only hold up for so long. So I just feel like it was just uh, Justin Fields, just being him, you know, being uh, Justin feels what can you give the young guys in your room to help you know kind of get beyond week one and focus on week two because you've been through it before and you know the clock's ticking and there's no real time to dwell on the loss uh really just you know it's a long season yeah you know, pitch your uh, best foot forward and, and look ahead and, you know, focus on next week. You know, each week is going to be a new team with a new scheme. You're, uh, you're a guy who, hit, you know, a lot of people say hits like a linebacker, covers like a corner. What part of your game do you enjoy more? It seems like you love blowing people up, but then you do have that man-to-man coverage ability. What, what do you think your greatest strength is as a player? I like both. It just depends on the type of players I'm playing. Uh, some guys I, I like I like to do both. Like if I'm playing against a guy like DK or, or Lockett, I, I like to cover him. But I also want my my coach to call a play where I can just blow him up to let him know my presence there, and then they won't they'd be scared to catch the ball if they know somebody right there is about to hit them in their rib cage or their patella. You know, a lot of guys don't 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 get up too fast if you hit them in the right spot of the knee or you hit them in their rib cage. Uh, that's just my mentality. Like, uh, but I love the cover too. 
<laughs> hey, Jimmy, uh, how do you feel to get recognized on the top 100 players list? I mean, I saw, you know, Sherm's been preaching on, on Twitter and I guess through his new podcast. You know, he's, he's always talking you up. He's like, man, that guy's going to be all pro this year. So uh, how'd that feel? And uh, does that add any extra confidence going into this year? That's cool. I really did the same thing. I just got more turnovers. Oh, shout out to Sherm. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sherm, that's my guy, though. But, nah, it, it was cool to actually make it on the top 100. I didn't think they was going to pick me on it. Uh, that's why I be coming out each year trying to kill somebody. <laughs> just because I'm like, okay, I play against y'all, and y'all didn't vote me in. Okay, we'll see about it. Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever day that is. My coach dialed it up, and I get an opportunity. I'm going to make you feel it just for not going for me. And I'm going to do that again just for being 96. So you tell me there's that many other safeties better than me that can cover better than me and hit better than me. So we'll see this year when I get back on the field. It's Seattle week. Give us something on, on DK or on Lockett. They're different receivers, but they're dangerous receivers. Lockett, fast. He's going to do more more posts, more corner posts. They like him in, uh, with the double moves. Uh, DK, he's more he's stiff, so it's just going to be nine balls, comeback slants. He's a big body. They don't want Lockett. They don't want him coming in the middle nowhere trying to catch balls because he doesn't weigh as much as DK. So that's kind of how they're going to use both of those wide receivers. Uh, like I said, DK, he can take more of a hit. He can take more hits because he's a bigger body. And Lockett can't take so many hits. So they're going to keep him on the outside and make him run double moves and corner posts and posts and stuff like that. What do you think of the tight ends? Parkinson 6-7. Disley's a veteran. They used both of them most last, this last week. They're going to run trick plays with them, like uh, a versus my safeties, I don't I don't feel like they get open in the main coverage. So they don't, if they catch the ball it's gonna be in zone. Like I don't I don't see them catching too many balls with the safeties, how we cover here. Mooney and Womack added to the secondary. Obviously, to me, that was my takeaway from week one is just how scary the Niners secondary potentially can be. What do you think of the new additions? Oh, I love them. Sammy is a ball hawk. Mooney, you seen what he, he just did. Like, Justin Fields, I, th- I feel like the head coach just told Justin Fields just to throw the ball up to see what happens. And he threw the ball up twice on Mooney's side, and the ball wasn't catchable from either side. So, you see what he brings to the table. He's a big body, and he, and he can tackle too, so that's that's a great addition to the team. I know uh, turnovers are a bit of luck, but uh, it was that an emphasis at all this year? Like, you know, get some more picks. Seems like in the Shanahan era, uh, you know, haven't been as many interceptions and turnover ratios. A little. Uh, we switch some calls up. We're gonna be. Nice, we, nice. We, we we switch some calls up. We're gonna be able to see the ball more in the, in the, in the back end. It's like it's it's hard to catch. It's hard to catch picks and man cover. Yeah. <laughs> like we we be fighting for our life. So. It's hard, but zone coverage, we can see the ball. Like, when we switching it up and some of the calls that he has, like, you see how uh, uh, Huff caught a pick early yeah. in the game. You yeah. know, that's just, I just feel like that's only a taste of what we're we going to do this season. I feel like we're going to get our uh, hands on a lot of ball, and that's the linebackers including. And you never know, you probably see some D-line and get some <laughs> I got I to ask you about Huff. I mean, you've been, you've been with the team for a while. He's impressive, man. He is impressive. And it, to me, what's impressive is how he diagnoses so early the the mesh point on the handoffs, the run plays, and he aggressively attacks. Give me your thoughts of, on his progress. Seems like every time I watch him, he's better. 
That's an instinct, bro. He has something that you can't teach. And it's him watching a bunch of film that makes him even more faster. And then he's understanding what he's going to get. He understands if this guy blocks, engaged on the DN, if it's a double team, you know, he can he can play fast. And that's what he's been doing. Like this first game, oh, even in preseason, he's been playing fast. He hasn't been hesitating. No hesitation in his game. And it's normally, that's normally who wins, the guy who doesn't hesitate in his game. And it's all film study? It's all based on film study, huh? It's all based on film study. It's the coaches coaching them up pretty good. Uh, Coach CU and, and Coach DB, they coaching them up pretty good. And it's Huff being Huff, you know. Huff is a tremendous talent. Is he the best hair on the team? Uh, yeah, definitely. Y'all need to go and tell somebody to give him a, a shampoo deal. <laughs> Jimmy, right. thanks, man. All right, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Jimmy Ward inside the locker room. He's so good, man. Good. He is so oh good. God. He said so many things there wow. that we could spend the next half hour breaking down. But what, what jumped out to you? I think the biggest thing that turned came over came over to me. What I kind of resonated with was turnovers, and he laid it out the reason why. Everyone talks about the Niners' lack of turnovers and need to emphasize more turnovers. And what he was alluding to is like. People understand, yes, when you're a good man-to-man team, you like to play man-to-man because you sacrifice you sacrifice interceptions for man-to-man, but you, get, you usually get a lot more sacks because you have a team that can pressure. <clears throat> you play man-to-man because usually your defensive front is going to get after the quarterback so the quarterback can't hold the ball, so you play man-to-man, and then, bam, you, get the, you hit the quarterback. So... You play man-to-man if you match up also. If you don't match up, you play zone, Exactly. And so, but when when he's talking about the turnover, though, the reason why he's talking about, because now if you play more zone coverages, now you can see the ball because you're on the back end, and if the pressure gets there, now guys can attack the ball because they see it in flight. Especially when you have some zone and looks like you've got some, you see the linebackers dropping under, underneath stuff and getting the picks because the quarterback thinks there's a window that's there and it's not he's just getting to a spot so he doesn't read the linebacker and anticipates where he's going and that's where he's talking about even the linebackers so i think that what he was alluding to today is like hey you're going to see more you're going to see more turnovers and more interceptions because we're going to mix it up more yeah. not that they couldn't play zone and other but now you're going to play more so he's going to create more turnovers so that was something i was like wow it was fascinating to hear. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting to hear him talk about Huff, how you know he plays fast, how there's no hesitation. He said, he who hesitates basically loses, and there's no hesitation. A lot from film study, but man, the Niners played a lot of cover three, and they had Huff hugged up on the line of scrimmage, and his instinct and his lack of hesitation, he keys it, he diagnoses it, and he attacks the mesh point, and it was, he had 11 tackles and a pick last week. It looked like a Pro Bowl. He, he didn't look like he played like a Pro Bowl. He did. Without a doubt, if you talk about which one safety, if you look 11 tackles, a pick, he probably was the best safety during there in the league last week for week one. If you look at just his peer numbers. And what he's saying, and I tell my nephew, right he's at Fresno City, and he plays linebacker. And I said, and he's an athlete. And I'm like, the reason why you're not making the plays that you want to make is because you don't know what you're doing and you're hesitating just a second and now guys can cover. You see what Huff, and that's what he was talking about. Because he knows by alignment and assignment and because of the film study, guys aren't able to get on him because he's already playing on that side of the ball. See, if he's a safety and he's waiting and he's if he's in the box and he's gathering his feet and he's waiting, saying, okay, where's the play? And then he reacts. Now guys can... Ace block, get on block, and now they push. You're, a lot of offense is about 
guys blocking and double teams and then coming off to go block the other guy. And so because he's not hesitant, if they're ace blocking or trade blocking, when they got two on one and when they're getting ready to come off, he's already in the backfield. Because he already knows the concept of the offense. He knows that there's a double team right here. And he's saying, okay, I see the double team. Guard goes down. I go. Guys don't understand that. The linebacker safety, when you're playing in the box, your guard is going to tell you where to go. Anytime the guard goes down, you're saying, you have to shoot and fire your gun because you know something's coming. And a lot of guys, Larry, don't react off of that. Watch today when you see that guard down, linebacker, you go. Because you know that if you don't go and you hesitate, it's a quick down block and all of a sudden he's coming off on you. And you create holes and opportunities for the run game. So that's what he's doing. Huff, and that's what he was alluding to. How he analyzes the game, it's because of alignment and it's his film study. Love this young man. This guy can play football. The other thing that I caught you, caught you smiling at was yeah. when Jimmy starts talking about, you know, I want to kill somebody or <laughs> I like to hit, you know, you hit them in their rib cage or their patella. They don't move so fast. Love that. You know, he, Jimmy's got a defensive mentality. When he said that, he's he's looking at me. I can catch a little, a little grin. Coming off the coming off the side of his mouth, he had a little grin when he said that. I mean, you can't play defense in this league unless you like to hit people. No question. I'm gonna tell you, man. Now you set him up through those. You, it's great, Larry, because you know who he is as a player. Watching him, you might not know him as a person, but you know him as a player. You've been around this game long enough that you see the way he plays, and you say, "I'm gonna ask this question because you already know who he is." And that was great by you. You're like, what do you think? And he's just talking about, no, he ain't coming across the middle because he ain't built for that. They don't want to see me because they know I'm going for that patella. They know I'm going for that spleen. They know that I'm going out there. They, I'm, I'm going to do body. It's football. It's a contact sport. And you just. It ain't for the meek, no, baby. it's not. It ain't. <laughs> uh, let's hear a little bit. The other audio I thought, that, so that audio I just had to bring to yeah. you. The other audio this week that I thought was phenomenal, uh, Michael Lombardi. Now, everybody had an op opinion on Trey, and there were a bunch of different ones. But this one I thought was really interesting. I want you to hear what Michael Lombardi, former personnel exec with the Browns and Raiders and probably a couple other teams, Patriots, 49ers, uh, what he said on a podcast this week about Trey Lance. And then I want to I debate this a little bit. Here's Michael Lombardi on the Michael Lombardi podcast earlier this week. You know, you can deflect this and say this was on penalties, but this game should have been close. I I mean, the Niners were by far the better team on tape. They were by far, but they they, they couldn't do anything. There's going to be growing pains, and at times it's going to look horrific. But he's, he's got to be out there. I mean, why? Why you got to put him out there? I mean, you, you went to the Super him. Bowl with the other guy. I mean, Kyle's 38-43 and 43 as a head coach in the regular season. 31 of those wins came with Jimmy Garoppolo. So he's 7-29 and 29 as a head coach when he doesn't play Garoppolo. Like, you're going to lose the confidence of the team. We can all masquerade this, but the defense is playing a doubleheader out there. You know, and you're running the ball. They must have run, they must have run more jet sweeps than ever, right? Yes. I mean, they're, they're running jet sweeps. I mean, they ran the ball effectively. You can tell that he was not comfortable at any point during that game there. But I just think that they made the bet on Trey Lance in April of 2021. So... By hook or crook, this is the situation that they've put themselves yeah, in. There's a thing called sunk cost fallacy, you know, and, and what you, you're you're playing into that. Since we did it, we got to keep going. But at some point, I would say Kyle's going to blame it on the penalties. Okay, that gets you through week one. You lose another game. Let me tell you something. You put Lance's on tape now. These defensive coordinators are too freaking smart. They see the same thing I see. Hey, he's throwing to the guy he reads. 
when that game, when they got behind 19 to 13 and it became a pass game, watch that tape from that point forward. Watch that game. That's when you have to evaluate the quarterback. When it became, I got to throw it, can you, can I throw it? And he couldn't. How about the people that bet Trey Lance for MVP? Like, seriously. I think can I send you, can I send you St. Jude's number, please? <laughs> uh, they call me, St. Jude's calls me at least once a week, you know, for a donation. Can I send you those people that number? And can I send the people that were recommending that? that can I send them some, some, like, seriously, where did you come up with that idea? As you said, this guy hasn't played enough, and now you he think he's going to go from not playing to the MVP of the National Football League? you got no respect for the NFL when you make that statement. Really interesting comments there from Michael Lombardi, I thought. I mean, the part that I wanted to get your thoughts on, he, you know, he, I, we didn't get it in there, but one of the things is, like, he's, he's, he basically went on to say, is is, is, he gonna, is Kyle going to lose the locker room if he stays with Trey? One, I mean, this incredible impatience is just off the charts. I mean, they, you're incredibly patient with Jimmy G as he makes mistake after mistake after mistake and repeats the same mistakes, but you're going to go three starts with Trey Lance despite the fact that he's like the most inexperienced first-round quarterback in our lifetime, And but he gets three starts and so you're throwing him out. But he made an interesting comment. I want your thoughts on this. Our defensive coordinators, is. do you see when you see Trey Lance, a quarterback that's so crude, that's so raw, that's so young, that what Michael Lombardi said there is going to come to fruition, that defensive coordinators are going to own him and that the, they're basically going to turn off his water and, and he's going to be flummoxed, confused, and they're going to render him like basically back, you know, useless and headed back to the bench. That's the picture he painted there. Of, of, hey, the word's gotten out. NFL teams have seen him throw. They've seen him. He's one look and go. He's crude. He's raw. He's this. He's inaccurate. What do you think, Glo? You know what? I respect Michael Lombardi. This guy's seen more a lot of football. Families, you know, seen a lot of football. Isn't one of his family members with the Chargers, right? Is the offense coordinator. I believe one, so. One of Lombardi's offense coordinators. But you don't hear him say the same. It's because it's like, it's 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 easy to jump on after the after the fact. We look at Herbert and we say Herbert's a good quarterback. Now, do you think he should have threw that pass that cost the Chargers the game? The pick six against Kansas City Thursday night that went ninety yards. You can't. Not only that, I think Herbert's like four and eight in his last twelve starts. So yeah, the Chargers it, are it, four and eight in his last twelve starts, something like that. Exactly. But everyone's demoning the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right. I think the kid can play, but. You had a Lombardi make the you know the call to throw it on first and goal on the three yard line, and to give the ball back to Mahomes. But instead, you went 90, 100 yard interception instead of maybe running it, killing the clock, doing some stuff. So, I'm saying that to say that people are human and they make mistakes. And certain people get a certain pass, and individuals get passes, and individuals don't. And that's the world we live in. It's why I think that he's right about hey, Trey needs to get better. Absolutely. I just don't know. For me, it's like simple. Okay, if you guys think Jimmy, then go with Jimmy and let him play. And it's a different, it's a different team, it's a different game. And I don't think, I don't think with the line that they have, I don't think against that last week, I don't think that Jimmy's winning. I don't think that I don't think Trey lost that game for them. Jimmy doesn't throw the ball long. We said we all, everyone says that, but I think he can. But is it great? Probably not. So when they're just saying, okay sign it off i just i can't do that yet i just i think that that what he said if what he's just saying is all dark and gloom 
it's almost best that if, if for me, if I'm looking at this as outside looking in, it's like, go with Jimmy the whole year if you think that's going to get you. Because I'm telling you. What would you do here? Because they gotta, cause, they're trying to do two things at once. They're trying to win the Super Bowl and develop Trey Lance. How long do you go with Trey Lance? Is it about wins and losses? Do you, are you willing to, to, I don't want to say tank, because they're, you know, that's a terrible word, but are you willing to sacrifice, um, this year's run at the Super Bowl to develop Trey Lance? What's more vital? Going forward, what, but, and see, how would it, you feel about it as a veteran in that room? See, is there going to be is Kyle going to be pressured by the you know the dozen veterans to to say, hey, look, we got to ch- Trent, Trent Williams is thirty four years old. He might only play two more years. He doesn't have two years to wait around on Trey. Or, I mean, how do you, how do you view it? Is, is Shanahan going to be Shan- forced to Shan- jump Shan- jump off Trey if if the losses mount? Shanahan has got to put earplugs in and don't listen to you guys. Don't listen to anybody. Not me, not anyone, because bottom line is this, Larry. You say, oh, is this a window you're jeopardizing? Well, play Jimmy, and you had that same window last year. You had that same window for the last four years, and where to get you? Everyone says, oh, got you to a championship. It got you to the NFC championship. got you there. True. But what happened at that moment when you needed him to do something? When you needed that particular pass overthrown, Man, what do you need when, when at that moment last year, fumbled the ball, against the Rams, interception, end of the game, didn't get... So it wasn't good. The bottom line is it wasn't good enough. enough. So so my point is, so when everyone's talking... In the eyes talking, of Kyle Shanahan, not it, in our eyes. Yeah, but so everyone's like, okay, well, Jimmy, well, okay, so go back to it. If that's what the fans want, it, so that's where Jimmy, that's where Kyle Shanahan can't get caught up in it. Because we're in a media-driven world in everything, from politics, the narrative... Everything, sports, people believe because they have a microphone and they can yell and they think they know football that they're going to make, they're going to demand at them and then to change, to alter, whatever. And that's where we live in. I don't care. That's This is Cal Shanahan's call. It's his duck. He'll make it quack. But it should not be predicated on what these talking heads are saying because if he's shown you that Jimmy can do it, he's given Jimmy an opportunity, up many opportunities to get to where he wanted him to go. And, and it hasn't happened. You can blame Jimmy. You cannot blame Jimmy. I don't think everything's Jimmy's fault. I don't think. But either way, right now, he can't win. If they don't win a Super Bowl, if they go to a Super Bowl, people will say they should have had they should have won with Jimmy. If they don't go to a Super Bowl, they should have had Jimmy. And if you go with Jimmy and Jimmy struggles and Jimmy doesn't get the protection that he needs and things break down and the Niners offensive line's not as good as we think and all of a sudden he's getting hit, throwing interceptions, and the team's not winning, what do they do now? Go back to the run. So you can't win. This situation with setup, it's impossible to win. Yeah, that's a great point. Look at last year. They went with Jimmy. People called for Trey most of the year. Now they're going with Trey, and, and they lose week one, and suddenly it's like, if he, yes. he loses this week, he's out. Um, I, the word that, that we're going to find out the answer to as far as is, is conviction. How? What kind of conviction does Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have in their decision to draft Trey Lance? If they're totally convicted in it and they still believe wholeheartedly in him, they're going to stick with him. If for some reason, for whatever reason, and it doesn't have to make sense to us, but if they, they have more information about the player than we do, if they lack conviction in this player and they jump off of him, that will be telling as well.
All right, let's take a time out. We're an hour in the, book, in the books. we got an hour to go. Uh, we'll take a time out right now. The inactive list is out. We'll tell you who's on it coming up next. Brian Peacock's going to join us, the host of Locked On 49ers. Bottom of the hour, J.D. checks in, and we'll talk about uh, some of the late-breaking news and notes around this thing. Uh, and we'll also look at some scores from the morning games around the NFL. There are five games going on in the afternoon. It's a Monday night doubleheader this week. We've already seen the Chiefs beat the Chargers to kick things off Thursday night, and there are seven 10 a.m. games going on that we will update you on as we go. It's the kickoff show. Lo Neal, Larry Kruger with you on 95.7 The Game. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Back to the kickoff show with Larry Kruger and Lorenzo Neal on 95.7 The Game. Sponsored by Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey. Taste the world's number one bourbon. And by Harris Ranch Beef. Legendary beef, legendary quality. And welcome back to the kickoff show. Larry Kruger, Lo Neal here at the Hilton in Santa Clara across the street from Levi's Stadium. It's week two in the NFL. And the 49ers host the Seattle Seahawks today. And, of course, you're listening to 95.7 The Game and the kickoff show brought to you by Jim Beam and Harris Ranch Beef. And, by the way, um, the lovely young lady from Harris Ranch Beef just dro- dropped a beautiful golf shirt. Lowe just put dropped it on. Look at that. Look at that. You got the hat and the shirt. Both these are really, really sharp. Harris Ranch, you know, anybody, if you're, if you're driving through Coalinga, you got to stop What's at you Harris know about Ranch. Harris Ranch? You know nothing uh, about uh, Harris Ranch. Are you kidding me? It's, it's, my, right, it's my tried don't, true, don't man. Start I stop talking there every about, time. Don't start talking about driving through Coalinga. It's like, look, if you're taking the I-5, <laughs> get off on the 198 and go east, right off the exit, one mile from I-5, get you there. And you'd say, low Neil. you tell telling the big fella from Lee Moore, say, come over to Harris Ranch, get some of that good beef. There you go, Harris Ranch, and it is phenomenal. Great place to stop for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Check out Harris Ranch, and of course, 
Jim Beam. Who doesn't love a little Jim Beam? Big Jimmy Beam. Uh, 49ers and Seahawks today. And joining us is uh, Brian Peacock, the host of Locked On 49ers. And you can check him out on the Locked On Network. And he's with us to break it all down. Brian, um, thanks for a few minutes. Why don't we get right into it? What did you think of Lance in week one? And what do you expect to see today against the Seahawks defense? Yeah, uh, and by the way, guys, speak my language with 198. If I sell you, kid, rolling through to France oh, on the way to Pismo Beach. So, yeah, I'm all about that. My uh, guy. Yeah, Trey Lance, <laughs> Trey Lance in week one, it's really hard to evaluate just because of the conditions. And obviously the conditions, the wind's blowing in, uh, so some rain right, as, right now as we speak in, in Santa Clara. So we'll see what the conditions are like. Probably not as wet as they were last week but man in the fourth quarter you just got to throw that out when the monsoon was really coming down and before things got too bad i thought he made some great throws the dime he threw to uh to ray ray mcleod between three defenders i thought he was making quicker decisions than he did last year and, and as you know this is a process so we'll see how he continues to grow but i think when you look at the stat line i know they had the l but i think overall trey Lance looked better than maybe uh, all that looks when you put it together Oh, my God. You're speaking my language. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I thought when you looked at that game, the weather played so much of a factor. Both teams had to play it. But like you said, in the fourth quarter, the monsoon coming down, you, 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 can't, you can't take that and say, that was Trey Lance. I totally agree with you. Or, or the 49ers because it nullified the rush. They couldn't do things that they usually do. Let's just talk about this game. Even though the weather's a little shaky, it's not going to be near what we saw last week. What are you looking for for Trey in particular, but just from the 49ers as a whole? Yeah, and, and I think there's going to be some normalization with this team versus what we saw last week, and maybe not the weather normalizing as much as we thought this week in week two, but just the penalties. And guys like Trent Williams, who you never have to worry about, he got beat more times than I think you would expect right. uh, in week number one. Um, the, the, the 49ers defensive line, which was dominating the first half, Justin Fields and the Bears offense was non-operational in the first half of the game. And they looked a little bit gassed out there. And, you know, maybe a little bit of an extended preseason game for guys like Trent Williams and Nick Bosa and, and some of the 49ers veterans that didn't play a lot in the preseason. So I think some of those things you're just going to see. And, look, the NFL is, is chaos at times, and it's such a small sample league. I don't think you can take too much from, from a week one going into week two in a game like we saw with the conditions. So uh, normalization is the big thing for me. The veterans playing like veterans, uh, that defensive line continuing to dominate. And look, the, the Seahawks out there are rolling out there with two rookie offensive tackles. The, the big thing to me in this game is the 49ers have to have some welcome to the NFL moments against some of those young players on the Seahawks because and the Seahawks had a pretty good draft class, I think. But Charles Cross at left tackle, Abe Lucas at right tackle. You've got a rookie corner in Tariq Woolen starting on one side. You've got another rookie who's the number three corner in, in Kobe Bryant. I mean, you have to give these guys welcome to the NFL moments this week. So I think that's really huge. And, you know, the, the – Geno Smith played well, and the confidence he displayed in week one against the Broncos. But let's be honest, there's a pretty big drop-off from Russell Wilson. So uh, I think the, uh, the Seahawks might come back down to earth from what we saw in week one, too. 
You know, one of the things that I'm expecting to see in this game is that um, I think the Seahawks are going to try the middle of the defense against the 49ers. I mean, 11 of Seattle's 18 runs against Denver came up the middle. Um, and now you don't have DJ Jones and you have Kinlaw. If there was one thing that was kind of disturbing from the Bears game that seemed like it might be a recurring type theme is Khalil Herbert ran the ball untouched in a key sequence in the second half uh, for a touchdown that took it from a one-score game to a two-score game. I think the Niners missed DJ Jones against the run, and I think the get ready for for Brett, for Rashad Penny and and Kenneth Walker the third today in huge doses. Right, and and we haven't seen Ken Walker yet in the NFL, but he's a really talented back. Might even be a better pure runner than than Rashad Penny is. And so if he is healthy and he's in the game for the Seahawks, uh, that's a nice little one-two punch they have. And you're right, being six foot six, those defensive tackles for the 49ers, very different from a leverage perspective than what they had with D.J. Jones and traditionally what you see in the NFL with the nose tackle. And I don't know if you know, Kinlaw's a monster. He, he, he wins um, in, in bursts, and, and he, had, he shows these flashes, but I think he still needs to work on cons- consistency, and you'll see him make a big play, and then on the next drive, you'll see him sort of get stood up and, and not really have that leverage and, and get walled off as, a, as an interior uh, run defender. So uh, I think that's big, and then you go further down the middle in the back end, and Hufanga was so good. He was yeah. everywhere last week coming up uh, to make plays, but uh, those two coverage busts, he, he was the safety on, on, the, on the side where they scored touchdowns on both of those plays. So um, they, they've got to shore up some things up the middle for sure, Larry. That's a great call. No question. I think they will, and hopefully they do. But when you look at the other side of the ball and you talk about the 49ers, we understand what this team can do in the last couple of years running the ball. How are they? What do you see them running the ball? How effective can they be, and how effective do they need to be? Uh, they've got to be effective, especially if the, if the weather is going to be wet. And uh, you would have thought they would have been able to continue the success they had last week. And it, it can't be just Debo Samuel as your only offensive weapon out there. You've got to be able to to make holes for your running backs, whether it's Jeff Wilson, who's going to get first crack. or And, and really, I talked about the rookies on uh, the Seahawks side. How about the 49ers rookie running backs? A really big opportunity now for Ty Davis Price. Does he leapfrog? Jordan Mason as the the second running back because you know, he was held out last week inactive just as the, the third or fourth running back on the roster and Jordan Mason plays more special teams so Ty Davis Price was inactive but I really think he'll get second crack here after Jeff Wilson just judging by the fact that Jordan Mason never saw the ball last week even after Elijah Mitchell went out so I wonder if one of those rookies rookie running backs has an opportunity to uh, really sort of show why uh, especially Ty Davis Price, why he was drafted in the third round, makes some big plays, and maybe you know if if Kyle Shanahan goes with a hot hand approach, maybe this year's version of Elijah Mitchell could be Ty Davis Price, even though we didn't even see him on the field in week one. Yeah, I, I really like Ty Davis Price. Um, let's talk about Geno. Geno Smith, twenty three of twenty eight last week, one hundred and seventy seven yards, two touchdowns. He comes into this game in full rhythm. Uh, he played this way in the preseason. He's played effectively. He's Yeah, he's got two rookie offensive tackles, and they allowed seven combined pressures, but they, for the most part, held up. How does D'Amico Ryans attack uh, Gino? I mean, I looked at his numbers against the Blitz. He was eight of nine against the Blitz. So you, do you just rush four and and uh, play coverage behind? Uh, what, what can they do to defend against Gino? Because he's in rhythm. Yeah, and I think without Jimmy Ward back there, I think that's the way the 49ers would prefer to do it, to be able to get pressure. And again, it comes back to those rookie tackles. The 49ers should be able to get pressure against Geno Smith, and he came out hot. He came out confident. 
And he's, you know, and, you know, people laugh. They're like, oh, the, the Seahawks are going to be terrible because they got Geno Smith. Well, Geno Smith's not, you know, he's a professional quarterback. Maybe he's a high-end backup and not a, a high-end starter, but he's at least a professional quarterback. He's been in the system, um, and I don't think they need, you know, ideally the Seahawks aren't trying to run a game plan where they need Geno Smith to go out and win the game. And I think it's the same for the 49ers where they're, they're not trying to have their, their young first-year starter go out and win football games. But um, that's why the demise was a little exaggerated for the Seahawks, just because a Pete Carroll coach team is going to win in a lot of small ways. They're going to keep a lot of games close. And as long as Geno Smith isn't a disaster at quarterback, uh, they're going to be in it more often than I think people gave them credit for to start the season. But to me, it's all about up front. The 49ers regime, since Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch showed up, is all about their defensive line. Their defensive line has to win, win off, and, and uh, really wreck Geno Smith's day that way. No question. What's If you, the Niners are to win, you look at the line at maybe eight or nine, not minus, not, not Niners minus nine or eight, whatever it may be. What is going to be key for the Niners to make this come in fruition? What is is this game as close as you think, or is it going to be a one-sided game? How do you see this game overall? Yeah, and I think you can throw out records a little bit, too, when it comes to these two teams. And, yeah, the eight-and-a-half, nine points, it just seems like a little bit much, and maybe those lines couldn't correct after one week because of how they started in the preseason because people didn't expect the Seahawks to be very good. I do have the 49ers win this game, but uh, I, I think it's likely going to be a one-score game, so I would stay away from from betting that number on the, the 49ers winning by that many okay. blowout. I think it would go the 49ers way, but I do think the 49ers are going to come out with a, with a victory here in a one-score game against the Seahawks. Everybody loves D'Amico, and you know he talked this week about his defense. He said, we need to finish. And I felt like almost interrupting him and saying, you know, D'Amico, you don't need to finish. Uh, you need to have guys play smart and play play with some poise and play under control. You got all kinds of athletes on defense who can finish with the best best of them in this league. You got to play smart. How much of last week's mental breakdowns from Greenlaw and Al Shair do you hold at at D'Amico's feet? I think you have to. Uh, th- that was one of the big talking points for me after the game last week. Uh, that was a that was a coaching one for for young you know Matt Eberflus his first uh, game as an NFL head coach, and uh, that, that I think that was the difference is, is they were better coached, uh, and, and you have to go to the coaching staff. You have to go to Kyle. You have to go to D'Amico Ryan's, and on down the line of and I'm sure that was I mean I'm sure there was nothing they preached more this week than that you know be smart. Don't make the don't allow the teams to uh, extend these drives when you've got them off the field on third down. Um, you know, not don't be over aggressive on your assignments. He talked about Hufanga uh, maybe maybe keying a little bit too quick on on Justin Fields getting out of the pocket there. So uh, you've got to be smart, and I think that starts with coaching. And I have no doubt that was preached all week in practice, and I expect the 49ers to be a lot better in that regard today. Not not just take the elephant off the table because we know he's pretty big, and that's the quarterback. Let's not talk about Trey. What else do you want to see from the Niners? If the Niners are going to win today, give me some keys in your point besides the quarterback. We understand how important that position is, but what else is going to take place for this Niners to take up get this victory? Yeah, it's up front. It's up front in the offensive line for me, and it's just the the, the positions that will help make things easier for Trey Lance. So you've got to protect, you've, especially up the middle with the, with the changeover they've had from guard to guard this year. You've got to protect, you've got to create holes in the running game. No Elijah Mitchell, they haven't proven they can run the ball yet with anybody other than 
than Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell. So uh, that all starts up front to me. Keep your quarterback clean so he can make some reads and make some plays, and you've got to be ahead of the sticks so you're not you know, allowing uh, the uh, the defense to come after you on, on third and longs all day long. I, I think it's huge, and it's all about up front. And I would like to see some more plays down the field. And I know, you know, windy and rainy, it might not be that type of game, but only two targets last week for Brandon Ayuk. Uh, uh, Debo Samuel has been, even since the preseason, more of a factor getting the ball handed off to him than, than making plays down the field. So I want to see Trey Lance start to de- develop with some of his receivers as well. And obviously, you know, uh, with, with George Kittle out, you've got to, be able to get the ball to the guys outside that can make some plays. Yeah, no question about it. I think Ayuk is a major key. Um, the Seattle secondary, I think, is a little overrated. They played 80% zone in week one. Judy went off. He had uh, over 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Cortland Sutton had four catches for 72 yards. There was big plays left and right. You look at Ayuk, he only had three targets. 87% of his uh, routes, though, were on the perimeter. So he's getting Tariq Woolen, who's 6'4 and runs like sub 4'3, and Mike Jackson. To me, Ayuk is a guy, He's he would be the key guy for me. I, I want to see Ayuk involved and involved early. Uh, they got Debo involved, and I'd love to see them take some shots to Danny Graham. I think we've looked at the the vertical threat in past years because Jimmy didn't throw that pass well as just, hey, let's take some shots to loosen up the defense. I actually think this year Danny Gray is the kind of receiver he can get deep at will. Trey throws that ball beautifully. I think they're going to connect. And I realize it's bad weather today, so you would think more of a run-heavy game plan, but I would like to see at least two shots a half uh, down the field to Danny Gray. If they take two shots a half, I think there's a very good chance they connect on one of those for six. I agree, Larry. And, and looking at that Broncos game against the Seahawks last week, and they hit the deep win of Jerry Judy, and they didn't go back to it. They didn't test the right on the outside. The 49ers got to do that this week, even if the weather's not great. And when it comes to Danny Gray, uh, that's one aspect I could really see on this team for the 49ers, having Danny Gray on the outside or maybe bunched up, and even if he's clearing things out for the guys underneath, it just adds a little element that the 49ers need to have on offense. And I love Ray Ray McLeod, and I love Juwan Jennings, but I would love to see more of Debo in the slot with more catch-and-run, two-way go opportunities out of the slot with Danny Gray on the outside to open things up, either as a, as a decoy to clear out for the underneath guys or maybe hit one over the top. Brian, great stuff. We look forward to uh, catching up with you as the season progresses. Um, people can check out uh, Locked On 49ers. You guys do a phenomenal job. How many times a week do you guys do you guys broadcast? Well, we're doing it daily. We, we go daily on the 49ers, on Locked On 49ers. I also uh, have an NFL show with Matt Williamson. We're covering the entire league daily on the Locked On Podcast Network. So I'm coming at you twice a day, Lex. Oh, look at you. You're a busy, busy man. I, know the, down, I know the feeling. Brian, good stuff. Go Niners. Thanks for the time. Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Brian Peacock, host of uh, Locked On 49ers. I, I don't even know why I asked that question. I know that. <laughs> Locked On 49ers goes every single day. All right. Uh, bottom of the hour, John Dickinson checks in from uh, from inside the stadium. couple key guys, I think, today. And I want your thoughts on who you think the key guys are. But for me, for Seattle, I think you got to get this this outside backer, Nwosu, blocked. I think he's kind of a wild card factor for me, though. And then offensively... 
Kenneth Walker III is a superstar back, and I think people just need to, you know, I know there's a lot of people who watch the NFL that don't watch college, and they have no idea who Kenneth Walker III is. His name might as well be uh, Johnny Walker. You know, they, they don't know. Wayne Walker. <laughs> Kenneth Walker III started at Wake Forest. He was great there. Yeah. He then transferred to Michigan State. He was even greater for the Spartans than he was for the Demon Deacons. This guy's done it in the ACC. He's done it in the Big Ten. He is a home run hitter. And he had a hernia early in the year in camp. And so he's kind of coming back from that. But he's, and Rashad Penny's a nice back. Don't get me wrong. I think he might have even led the NFL in rushing like the final month of the year. But Kenneth Walker III is a difference maker. Yes. He he's a home run hitter. And you know, with the two rookie tackles and Geno and the weather, Seattle's going to try to run it. They're going to try to run it up the middle. Rap against Kenneth Walker III, because if you don't, it could be six, and this kid's good enough where he could take over the game. So no I know uh, there's a lot of football fans who don't follow the college game, but Kenneth Walker the third, absolutely circle him, you know, uh, highlight him in your program. Watch for him if you're a 49er defender because he's he's dangerous. Yeah, and, and it's crazy as you said that because mine's going to be the flip side of that. Exactly what you just said. I'm going to tell you who I'm watching. That's that whole defensive front because they got to stop Kenneth Walker. You're absolutely right. If the Niners win, if the Niners hold this team to nine. 90 yards or less in rushing. This game is going to be lopsided. I got the Niners covering the spread, doing what they do. That's what you talked about. I'm glad you went with Ken Walker because this guy is, like you said, if he's even, he's leaving. He's right. a home run hitter. I like what he can do in the run game, but it's going to come down to the Niners front. If the Niners front four and that linebacker core and those guys hold the Seattle Seahawks under 90 yards and make Geno Smith beat you, this game is going to be a double-digit win for the Niners if the Niners do one thing. Shut down the run. If you shut down the run, if you're the San Francisco 49ers, boys, if you're in that locker room, you might have 95-7 the game on. You tell Lolo from the Central Valley, if know this game, <laughs> you shut down the run, baby, and we're eating good tonight and we're partying. We're popping bottles. <laughs> run the ball, stop the run, win the game. <laughs> I mean, it's that simple, but it's it's never quite that simple. No. <laughs> but in this case, and Seattle's got a monstrous front. They, you know, If you look at this team, Al Woods is, what, 350? Big boy. Uh, Puna Ford. Puna Ford kind of reminds me. He's like a 2022 version of Jerry Ball. Ooh. Remember Jerry Ball? Yeah, absolutely. The old absolutely. Uh, Jerry I... Ball was as like wide as he was yes. tall. Um, and so they've got some big boys. I mean, Shelby Harris is a rusher, but Al Woods and Puna Ford inside. And then uh, Nwosu and Daryl Taylor coming off. Coming, you know, giving them a, a five-man surface up front, and then you got Jordan Bro Jordan Brooks and the former Stanford linebacker yeah. Cody Barton, um, you know, inside, and those guys, you know, make. There's no Bobby Wagner, but right. those guys have made a lot of plays against the run. So, I, I think it's interesting. It's a, it's it's not the it's not the Legion of Boom sure. defense. It's sure. not the defense they had years ago. But it should, it's not a defense that's like, ah, just a walk in the park. Right. And that's what you did. You made some great points when you talk about Big Four. These guys are big. They're sp Call them space eaters. That's how big they are. They can sit there and they hold the three. Two gappers. Two gappers. Exactly. And just sit there and you're like, man, so they don't give me any place to run. And that's why the Niners is imperative the day that you establish to run. But how do you make those guys average? How do you make those big boys that you're talking about, the 300-pounders, the big guys in the middle, how do you make them become average? Let me tell you how you do that, Larry. You get on the perimeter. So now with this 3-4, because it's a 3-4 defense. You're going to have some create some lanes in there because those big boys, when you're a big tractor trailer, last I saw those like semis on the road, they can't turn really sharp. They got a wide turn. So you get those guys moving and you get that line, offensive line, running with them. 
And now they got to stop and redirect. They're too big. They get off balance, and that's going to be key today. The Niners want to get those guys up front moving, that defense line. And now you cut that. You cut the defense because that's a 3-4. You want to cut the defense, and you get some running lanes. I'm fired up right now. I wish I could go back in time, Larry. <laughs> Woo, let's go. <laughs> I'll tell you the other thing that might be a major key is ball control. Yeah. Ball control in this game. Why? Because the 49ers have the depth on defense. Seattle's Seattle's got you know pretty decent starting uh, you know eleven on defense. It's when you get into their second unit, you look at their backups on the D line at linebacker in the secondary. They're young players, they're inexperienced players, or they're players that are just not all that highly rated. So yeah. to me, if there's one key for the 49ers, it's not just run the ball. It's run the ball, dominate the clock. Yeah. Now, one thing that was interesting last week against Denver is that Seattle's defense gave up 433 yards, um, but they held Denver to 16 points. Right. How did they do that? It was a stout red zone defense. Remember, don't break. Denver had no touchdowns on four trips to the red zone. They twice fumbled on the one. And then you look at Seattle, though, it's not a one-year deal. Seattle was third in the NFL in red zone defense last year. So this is a defense that will allow you to move it, you know, from the 30 yep. to the 30. Yep. But, man, you get in the red zone against this Seattle defense, and they hunker down, yeah. and they and they really they, 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 they raise their level of play, even without Bobby Wagner. So, so what you want to do. To me, red zone touchdowns yeah. for the Niners are absolutely huge. If they can score touchdowns in the red zone, I think this is going to be a very difficult game for the 49ers to lose. It, it, it will be, and that's why, it's a, that's why it's key that the Niners get these guys moving. You wear those guys up up front because you got to realize, like we alluded to, they're big, they're space eaters, they're two gappers, and this is what they want to do. So if you can make those guys move and make them wear them out up front now you got to substitute and go to the second and third tier guys and that's what the Niners need to be saying today's got to be a track meet the Niners got to say we're going to beat this team with speed we're going to beat them by stretching the field and we're going to make them cover the whole field that's what the Niners do well when they got teams when you're playing on a good in a good situation when the Niners playing their best football they make the whole deep they make the defense cover every blade of grass out on the field and that's what they have to do today today's not who's tougher it's about how do we make Seattle cover every blade of ground? How do we make those big guys move? How do we make them go sideline to sideline and wear them out so we can get to the second backup guys? And then in the fourth quarter, we impose our will, and now they're easier to double team. They're easy to come up and trade block, ace block, and easier to cut the defense off and create more running lanes, backdoor cuts, all those different things. It's going to be predicated on how this Niner do team does early in the game, first quarter, second game, but make Seattle cover every blade of grass. We're going to take a timeout right here. By the way, we told you the inactive list is out. George Kittle, uh, Kamoko Ture, Daniel Brunskill, uh, Brock Purdy, Nick Zakel. That's your inactive list. The 49ers do not have a good record without George Kittle. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. JD's going to check in with us next. What we're seeing as we're here at the Hilton looking out is that the rain has been somewhat minimal, but there's a lot more wind than was in the forecast yesterday. How will that wind affect things? How is that wind uh, swirling inside the stadium? JD's over there. We're going to get his thoughts on it next. It's the kickoff show. Larry Kruger, Lo Neal, getting you ready for 49er football on 95-7 The Game. Now back at the kickoff show 
with Larry Kruger and Lorenzo Neal on 95.7 The Game. Sponsored by Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey. Taste the world's number one bourbon. And by Harris Ranch Beef. Legendary beef, legendary quality. Welcome back to the kickoff show. Larry Kruger, though, Neil here at the Hilton across from Levi's Stadium. Getting ready for Niners and Seahawks. 49ers looking for their first win of the year. Seahawks started the year 1-0. Niners a big favorite. 49ers are 1-7 against Seattle over the last four years. We are brought to you by Jim Beam and Harris Ranch Beef. And uh, the good people from Harris Ranch have been chatting us up during the commercial, bringing us gear. Lowe's got Where's the, the beef? Got the got the golf shirt on. Yeah, man, got I can go the, hit him. I go hit him a little bit, Larry. Got, you know, uh, man, Harris Harris Ranch is big time. Big they, time. they they are. The, the meat's incredible. The people that that make up Harris Ranch and they're great. We great to the people here and enjoying it. The Central Valley people. So having a great time. And what better barbecued and kick off with Harris Ranch beef? But with a great football season, Niners underway. Second game of the season. Harris Ranch beef barbecuing at your house, getting it all in. But ready for some uh, big time football game. And, and to me, I know they say it's it's early and you got a lot of games, but this is a game you need to win. Absolutely. This is a game you got to find a way, no matter what it takes, you got to win this ball game. Got to get a win. Got to yeah. get a win. You know, week one, and we're going to talk to JD right here, but week one, they didn't get a win. They There were some good things, there were some bad things. This week, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. how it looks. They need the W. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You could. It doesn't matter if they win high scoring, low scoring. If it's passing, running, defense, special teams, it does not matter. They need a W. And we get over to Levi's Stadium for. Oh, JD will join us in a minute. But um, to me, that that's really kind of the the rub today. It is. is that, because why do they need the win? Because the reality is, is that there's going to be greater patience. They need to develop Trey Lance. They're only going to be allowed to develop Trey Lance if they can win some games because they're trying to win, they're trying to develop him and contend for a Super Bowl. So if they win games, guess what? He's going to get a nice long development curve. If they lose games, the pressure gets ratcheted up. And whether it's his fault or not, people will look to point the finger and make a change at quarterback. If you believe the report out there from Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network, he is not anticipating the 49ers making a change at quarterback, regardless of the outcome today. No, I, I, it, it's regardless. It's not going to make the change. I think that there's going to be a – for Jimmy G, for me to have to get back on the field, I think Trey would have to bow out. And bow out in a way where he's like, my shoulder hurts, my rib hurts, mentally I'm not there, and the coach looks in his eyes – and say, hey, young fella, should, should, should I bring in the reliever? Should, should I bring in the closer? And I think that those, when you're in, so you're asking me, how do I think if, or if Jimmy G plays? To me, that's the only way. Because you started this process, you're in this process. How do you look as a head coach and a GM that through week one or week two or week three, you pull your guy, the guy that you invested in the first round? And here's the thing, by the way, you pulled him this year, but you still had your other quarterback under contract. If Jimmy wasn't better, and if Jimmy, they thought, had more potential, won't fans and people, the Lombardis and everyone realize, think about this. Just think about the logic of it. You could have easily let Trey be the backup this year, another year, because Jimmy was still under contract. 
and it doesn't look bad because now he would have had two years under his belt as a rook, as you know, to see Jimmy G how he operates, and then you turn the keys over him after the, after this year, next year. If they thought Jimmy gave them that chance, Cal Shanahan would not jeopardize the team, the organization, to just play this young guy just to be playing because you're safe. You got a rookie quarterback. You could have kept him on the bench this year, let him watch Jimmy. Jimmy's contract's up after this year. You let him go, and then you could have turned it over. Don't that doesn't that sound? Wouldn't you? Don't you think Cal Shanahan is smart enough to understand that, Larry? Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think he understands how each and every one of the possible moves will be interpreted and how his football team will react. The question I would have is, what does Kyle actually think of how far Trey is away? Because he ran him nine times last week. That's a lot of runs. That's a lot of quarterback runs. Are we seeing that because he doesn't trust him as a passer? Are we seeing that because he thinks that's strength? That's one of the one thing that came up this week was you know some people arguing and i'm in that group that they shouldn't put their quarterback in harm's way as much as they did this week uh or last week against chicago and then i heard daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks saying you know what uh, trey running the ball looks good they ought to run him more so you know there's two different philosophies before we go to jd what do you think um would you rather see the niners use trey more as a runner because that will open things up for other aspects of their offense or you know what no do not give seattle you know 10 hits on your quarterback because you're running him i think it's going to dictate how trey looks and how what's working if trey lance is working and it's working well with the run and you say hey get down in tough situations get down and he understands the concepts and how you run the ball a la a lot of these quarterbacks that can i have no problems with that yes you do have to save him and understand it's a long season 17 game season so i'm, I'm not opposed to him running the ball but he's a quarterback and i want to see him throw the ball i want to see him move the pocket i want to see him you know look to throw the ball before run yeah i, I just think that you don't you don't uh uh, you know, you don't win when you take on NFL linebackers or no. NFL defensive players as a quarterback. All right, let's welcome in J.D. J.D., from where we're sitting here at the Hilton, uh, we're watching palm trees sway back and forth. The wind seems to be a little bit more significant than what it was in the forecast coming into today. How's the wind playing out inside the stadium? Yeah, it is windy inside, guys, and the sun is peeking through. It was raining about 20, 25 minutes ago, coming down pretty good, but only for maybe five or ten minutes. But looking out on the field as the players clear uh, the field and head back to the locker room, uh, it, it is pretty windy. I mean, anywhere between 15 to 25 miles an hour. The flags on the goalposts are, are whipping around. The flags up atop the stadium are whipping around. So I think we're all focused and transfixed on the water and the rain based on what happened in Chicago. But but I do think the wind has the potential to play more of a, of a, a factor in this game. J.D., Low Neil here. What's the, the mood and the atmosphere like today for the Niners? Take me through what you're looking for, the good, the bad, and ugly. I think when you look at it, I mean, the Niners are, are fired up. I think the crowd is fired up. It's a home opener. It's the Seahawks who are, are still a, a rivalry. It's it's that kind of game. Uh, I think the team itself, they look loose. They look ready to go. But there is this little pensive energy, I, I think, guys, beneath the surface to where if this team can't 
perform and win a, 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 for a second consecutive week in a game that everybody thinks they're they're supposed to win and should win and will win that that you wonder just where it's going to leave them as far as maybe maybe Kyle Shanahan looking to make a change at quarterback or maybe some of the outside noise about that even if Kyle Shanahan doesn't necessarily want to do it does that outside noise start to to seep in but no I, I think the the, the the view that I get and the feel that I get is there were a lot of correctable mistakes that the 49ers made in the game in Chicago that they feel like they can correct. And if they do, just like last week, where you look at the stat line, two and a half, three quarters in, they're dominating. I think the Niners believe that they have a significant talent advantage over the Seahawks. No disrespect to the Seahawks' victory against the Broncos on Monday night, but that they should come out if they play at a certain level and the Seahawks be unable to match it. How does Shanahan and the offensive coaching staff get Trey in a rhythm? The one thing is clear is that Geno comes into this game in a rhythm. Trey's still trying to establish his rhythm. How do they get him into it? Yeah, I, I think it, it's got to be hitting some short passes. Uh, you know that, And those have been the plays that he struggled with. I don't think it's running. And that's the one thing I'll say. Uh, you know, it, I, it did look good at times when they ran him. I heard your guys' conversation before. Like, getting Trey into a rhythm isn't, isn't him running the rock 10 to 13 times. You, you may need to do it because it's good for your offense. But the problem is Trey looked pretty comfortable on the, the medium, intermediate, deep throws in Chicago before the elements became a, a big factor and you just weren't going to do it anyway. The, the problem is some of the shorter stuff he's a little bit more inaccurate on. So I can see where Kyle Shanahan is is reluctant to call some of those plays. But to me, it's it's hit some short ones and, and feel good about the, the basic stuff going your way along with the runs. And, and I think play action is huge. Like To me, it's, it's yeah, I want to see more of you know, play action, roll out, stop, try and hit a deep ball that way, maybe come back the other way, a la what they did against Houston going back to the January 2nd game when Trey Lance got the, the start in that one. I know the Bears did a nice job of not letting Trey get to the outside. They took a lot of that stuff away. I'm sure Seattle will do the same. But to me, getting Trey into a rhythm is about passes that he's comfortable hitting more than than him toting the rock around 10 to 10 to 15 times jd for this team and the fans and the media us talking heads what is success for young trey if this team were to lose this game what would trey have to do or he's not the focal point of the loss I mean, if they lose today, he'd have to throw for three, three touchdowns and, and 250 to 300 yards and blatantly be the reason that they don't lose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, if, if, they, if they lose this game and he puts up a stat line similar to the one in Chicago, I know there's varying reports about what Kyle Shanahan would do. And, and look, I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants to make a move even if they do lose this game. But if they lose the game and he's bad, He's going to have to be forced into at least thinking about it and, unless Trey Lance goes out there and, and from a passing game standpoint isn't part of the reason why the 49ers lose this game. So like, he's, he's got to play better. Like I think he was on track and playing at a level, fellas, to where if they had won the game against Chicago, it would have been not perfect, 
certainly not terrible, but a box check. You could live with it. But at the moment in which you don't win the game, you go back and you look at his line, and it's kind of underwhelming. And, and he missed the throw to Croft, and that hurt you. That that was a part of the reason why you, you lost the game. He took a sack that took him out of field goal range. You know, a part of the, the 6 to 14 points that they left on the, on the board early. So uh, I, I think... Kyle Shanahan's going to want to avoid anything that's that's deemed to be a panic move. but I And I think it would be twofold today for him to actually make a move. Like it would have to be lose and Trey play badly. But but the one way he avoids it is by going out there and throwing, you know, hitting a deep ball touchdown, running for another one, and, and the Niners winning, covering, and, and moving on to Denver. J.D. Kittle, the Niners are 6-9 and nine in the 15 games where Kittle has been inactive, and he's inactive today. Are you surprised? Because he gave it a go Friday at practice, and he was out there. Are you surprised that he's not playing today? I'm not surprised. Why push it? I mean, we talked about it last week uh, on a field that could be a, a little bit damp and a guy with a groin. I, I would not be doing anything if I'm the Niners. And I get it. He wants to play. He wants to get out there and help Trey. I think Kyle Shanahan wants to get out there and help the team and help Trey Lance. And they know those numbers that you just mentioned as far as this team's inability to win when Kittle isn't out on the field and, and out on the field and being productive. But to me, the one thing the Niners can't do is, is chase this win by getting Kittle out there when he's less than 100%. Maybe it becomes a little bit of a soggy track again, not to the extent that it was in Chicago, and he tweaks a groin, and now all of a sudden it's September 18th, and we're talking about four to six weeks, or we're talking about six to eight weeks, and, and then we're talking about November, and then you're going to have to play more games without him. This football team is good enough and, and should be good enough, talented enough on, on both ends to go out and, and not only win the game last week which they didn't but win this game today like to me it's to me caution is is the the, the right move and as far as sitting him out getting him right and, and have him ready to roll for an extended period without risking something that's going to put him on the shelf for two months jd looking at this game tell me what the niners defense needs to be concerned with and then flip side what does the Niners' offense need to be concerned with what Seattle can do, both sides? Yeah, I mean, uh, defensively for the Niners, it's I mean, it's the two receivers. Now, they're going to run the ball, and, and it's it, there's no doubt that, you know, I mean, DK Metcalf, you always worry about. Tyler Lockett, you always worry about. But they're going to look to run the ball with Rashad Penny. They're going to look to get Geno a couple of quick reads, Geno Smith. Quick read, if, if it's not Lockett or Metcalf, dump it off to the running backs. And, and to me, you, you got to tackle and you got to heat up Gino. I think Gino, when he's pressured, you can, it, it's, a turn, it's a turnover factory. It's, it's a sack fumble and you're getting the ball in a short field. It's a, an interception that, that you can run back and get some field position. Like to me, it, it comes down to stopping the run and making him uncomfortable. Help your corners out going up against you know, really two of the more talented wide receivers in tandem that, that teams have in this league. So, And Geno threw it up for grabs a little bit to those guys, especially Metcalf the other night, and, and made some plays for him. Uh, I know his completion percentage was excellent, and he only had five incompletions. 
completions and all of that, but they were getting it done quick. Stop the run, heat up Geno. I think forcing turnovers is the key for the Niners today. Offensively, uh, you know the Seahawks are going to fly around and, and be fast and physical. They did look like the quintessential Pete Carroll team to me, that Pete Carroll defense in that game against Denver where they were hitting, forcing turnovers, getting stout at the goal line, uh, and you know, bend but don't break, whatever, doesn't care about how many yards they give up if they can get a couple turnovers and keep you out of the end zone. So to me, it's it, it stay disciplined uh, it would, to the running game, get some play action in there and and really try to just really try to keep the game on schedule and and i think larry you touched on it get trey lance into a rhythm early well if you can if you can i to me you know also i'd like to see them play some games up front on the defense because you got three new starters first year starters for seattle's offensive line you know make them communicate i'd like to see lots of stunting lots of movement up front lots of games up front with the niner d linemen i mean lucas the left right tackle uh, charles cross the left tackle they're rookies, but they're playing at a really, really high level. Uh, but make them communicate. Make them communicate, um, and we'll see if they make some mistakes. I think that would be a, a major thing for the 49ers on the defensive side. And then on the offensive side, I mean, run the ball. Run the ball. Um, and, yeah. and and also, if you can if you can somehow, you know, uh, get Trey a couple of easy completions early so he's feeling good. You know, I think that would be a key as well. JD, we'll we'll let you go. Um, I'm I'm predicting a low-scoring game. I like the under here. I'm going to say the 49ers get a win, but I'm thinking that it's more like 17-10, mm. I like. I guess I like uh, Seahawks and the points, but I, I like the 49ers in a in a definite underplay. What's your final score? Yeah, I like the under as well, but I do think the Niners are going to get the cover. I think it's going to be difficult for Seattle to score. I, I like it to end up 23-10, 23-13 San Francisco. So still an under, but also a cover if you're looking at, at what I last saw was a was an eight-and-a-half point, point number in, in favor of the 49ers. J.D., good stuff. We'll get Lowe's thoughts right here. We'll let you go. We'll see you over there. Sounds good. John Dickinson, uh, and of course, make sure you tune in in the post game because Kyle Madsen will be on the coverage. Alan Styles and Kyle Madsen will, will have our 95-7 the game 49er post game show. All right, before we get out of here, we'd like to thank Tim Jordan, who's been our engineer on site, doing a great job. Of course, our guys uh, back at the station who have done an incredible job as well, Sterling and Chris. And then Katie uh, and... Um, um, Ellen. El is it Ellen? Uh, Eleanor. Eleanor and yep. Katie from Harris Ranch. Thanks to them as well. All right, what do you think, Lo? Give me your final thoughts. What, do, what kind of score? we got about five minutes left before we uh, call it a show. What's, what, kind of, what kind of game do you think it's going to be? What kind of score? I think this is going to be a physical game. I think you're going to see two teams are going to try to fight for field position and fight to see who's dominant. These two teams don't like each other. There's a lot of bad blood, and just a rival continues between the Niners and Seahawks. No matter, even when teams are bad, even when one team's better than the other, it's always a ball game. I look at this game as a, as a game that the Niners are saying, hey, this team's 1-0. No one picked. Everyone had Seattle finishing last in the, in, in the conference, and all of a sudden, here they are. They're the only undefeated team after week one. Yeah. Look for the Niners to say, look, guys, if we go in here, Cal Shanahan and I know that this whole, this, you know, the D.C. and all the teams are saying, 
keep this team under 90. If we shut this team under, keep this team under 90 yards rushing, we may see if Geno can beat us in the air. I think the Niners like their chances and they like them a lot. This is going to be a physical game. The Niners are going to keep this run game. Got to shut down the run because if you just let Seattle be able to run the ball and stay on the field, this game could be become one-sided because now your defensive line, which is your, your strength, these guys get wore out, they get tired, and now Seattle starts to have the it starts to wear on them after the you know second half. So look for the Niners to make an emphasis on shutting down the run and make Geno Smith beat you. These are two teams are going to have basically the two stained philosophies of shutting down the run and make the quarterback beat you. So I think both teams' philosophy in this game is similar. I just think the Niners. Offensively, defensively, far as collective amount of talent, I think we both agree on their leg. The Niners have more talent, and the Niners know what's at stake. I believe the Niners win this game, and, and they do cover. You know, it's an interesting matchup because you got Geno, who is is a journeyman player, but he's played this entire camp, the yep. entire preseason. He looked really good in Week One, and there's und it's undeniable he's in rhythm. So you got to disrupt that rhythm somehow, but. If you give him defined looks and you blitz him, he's picking apart the blitz. So you really got to get you got to get home with your front four. Yep. Um, Ebukam was phenomenal last week. If you looked at the way Ebukam, he led the Niners in Week One. He had four pressures. He had a sack. He had three quarterback hurries. Um, Ebukam's got to get it dialed up again opposite Bosa. Bosa's Bosa, and we know he's going to fire. But, man, if Ebukam can get it dialed up against the and Bosa against these rookie tackles, and they can pressure Geno um, and move him off his spot and disrupt that rhythm. I mean, you've seen quarterbacks when they're in rhythm. You get a quarterback in rhythm, he's dangerous. No question. Um, if you, It's like a starting pitcher that gets in rhythm. All right. of a sudden, it's like, wow, now this guy's hard to beat. they got to disrupt Geno's rhythm from the start. Art. You're right. Uh, that's one. And the other thing I think, I, you know, Kenneth Walker, you got to wrap up against Kenneth Walker. He, Better. He'll bounce it to the outside. He's explosive. Um, he's a really, he, he might be a star back. I mean, people know Rashad Penny. They don't know Kenneth Walker. Wrap up on Kenneth Walker. I think that's absolutely crucial. And then for the 49ers on offense, you know, I think you got to take some shots down the field. You have Danny Gray, and you, you went and drafted him uh, for a reason. And then you watched him in camp, and, whoa, this guy can get deep at will. Right. I mean, he, he runs 4-3-3, but he plays, he plays faster than that. It's like a sub-4-3 feel. And he got a young secondary, um, and I think I really think you got to take some shots. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying, like, multiple shots, two or three a half to Danny Gray. Don't just take shots as throwaway plays. Take shots looking to throw the bomb and right. complete the bomb. Yeah. You hit a couple of them, you may, you may blow them out of the water. I don't think the Seattle team could score in the 20s, but if this game is like last week's game and it's a low-scoring game in the second half, it's anybody's ball I, game. I agree. I agree. And I think one of the things, Larry, we got to take into consideration, I don't think we've talked about it enough and not hinted about it enough, is last week, if you have to realize, if Chicago Bears, or that game last week is here played here at Levi Stadium, are we having that conversation? Are we really having this conversation today if that game, it's in Chicago, and yeah, you still should have won in spite that, but if you look 
look at the weather last week and you talk about the Niner faithful, they were playing here in Chicago. Chicago doesn't win that game. They were absolutely, their offense was stifled the first half. The field conditions got, it nullified the rush of the Niners. They're a team to get after you. You couldn't get pressure on the quarterback because of the field conditions. So still no excuse, but you're winning that game. And then take Seattle. Look at the 12th man last week when they played against Denver. That crowd noise was so loud. You saw Seattle. It was unbelievable. Offsides, false soft starts, all those things that happened to Denver because of the 12th man. Now you got to go to Levi's. And now the Niner faithful is going to be in that stadium at Levi's. That place is going to be rocking. You're going to see the energy flowing. That defense is going to be hyped. They are can't wait to get on the field. Because I'm telling you right now, I, I, I love this atmosphere. I love playing at home. And the crowd is going to be rocking, Larry. You know that. And I can't believe you're not taking in consideration that crowd. The crowd's going to be going crazy. The drinks are going to be flowing. That place is going to be Joey Bosa is going to be doing dancing. The Ormstead. <laughs> I'm telling you, Larry, you get ready today, baby, because you're going to see a celebration. And that Sierra across the street, you're going to be there, baby. I'm going. You're going, Daddy. Week two. <laughs> Good to see you, bro. <laughs> All right, that does it. Thanks to Jim Beam. Thanks to Harris Ranch. Enjoy 49er football. And make sure you listen for 95.7 The Game's postgame show with Alan Stiles and Kyle Madsen. For Low Neal, I'm Larry Kruger. Have a great rest of your Sunday on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.